Hi, entrepreneurs. It's Steph here, and I want to be sure you've had the opportunity to reserve your ticket to our Entrepreneurs Founders Weekend for our Wealth and Wellness Retreat presented by Chase Inc. We will be hosting our event at the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando, Florida from May 3rd to May 5th, and you are definitely going to want to be there with us. This is going to be your opportunity to build relationships with some of the most powerful women in business. And I can share with you firsthand that the best business relationships are formed when we really get together in person. And I just know so much business magic is going to happen when we're all together. From educational panels, networking activities to wellness activations, inspiring keynotes and breakout sessions. This is going to be a weekend you are not going to want to miss. So you can reserve your ticket today over at entrepreneurista.com forward slash founders weekend. We only have a few tickets left, so be sure that you reserve yours today. That's entrepreneurista.com forward slash founders weekend. I cannot wait to see you there. Understanding how to investigate the impact on everybody and building something that actually was better for the patients, but in fact was better for the nurses and the practice was what really made this work. Pam Schumann is the CEO of SMP Pharmacy Solutions a fertility and specialty pharmacy that offers a modern approach to servicing their patients and partners. Through her own experience as an IVF patient, Pam saw an opportunity to revolutionize the patient experience for IVF treatment. SMP Pharmacy has transformed into a technology-first company that is now a leader in providing patient resources for women going through IVF. Coming up, Pam discusses her journey beginning in sales to now leading S&P Pharmacy as the CEO. The differences between building a market versus selling into an existing market. How S&P Pharmacy has reimagined patient care for fertility treatments. And finally, you will hear the unique way that S&P has truly elevated the patient support experience. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters. No limits. And plenty of surprises. Pam, I am so excited to sit down and have this conversation with you. Our listeners know that I am very involved in the world of infertility and helping women and patients advocate for themselves and learn about all of the best new tools and resources. So when I heard about S&P Pharmacy and all of the incredible work that you were doing, I knew it was very important for us to sit down and have this conversation. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Steph, and thank you so much for sharing your story. I think awareness is so critical because it can be a very lonely journey for people. So certainly appreciate you using your platform to bring awareness to this. And uh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm a big fan and excited to talk to you today. 
Well, I always say if we don't share and share all of the information with with everyone who is looking and feels alone, they won't have access. So the more that we can share and tell these stories and get the information out there, the better. So let's dive into your story, Pam. I would love to hear a bit about your career journey and what led you to now being the CEO of S&P Pharmacy. So I have been in healthcare my whole career. I came out of college and went the pharmaceutical sales route because everyone said, you, you'd you be so good at sales. You'd love sales. I hated it, actually. I organically am a seller of something I believe in, but I found that industry, while very good for me for a few years to in professional development, it was very stifling for me in terms of all the FDA requirements and, you know, how little you could speak about certain things and the crowded space. But it was a wonderful launching point into healthcare because what I did love was healthcare and the complexity of it, the nature of how physicians diagnose and treat patients, the role that nurses play. And so when I left pharmaceutical sales, I went into boutique healthcare consulting for about eight years working with practices and physician groups, trying to really prepare for the changing payment landscape in healthcare. Um, you know, managed care was really just coming, <laughs> marching west where it started in California and just preparing doctors to be more value-based in their treatment and care. What was missing from that for me, however, was the focus on the patient. That was very physician and practice focused. And and sort of indirectly, that does impact patient care because the practices are obviously built around optimizing diagnosis and treatment of patients and illness and moving you through a process in an efficient way and privacy, but it didn't really deal with the patient experience and how they were as a human feeling about this. It kind of broke them down into like, you are this illness or you are this problem and we're going to help solve that, which is really important, but not how it impacted all parts of their life and how they were dealing with it. I had the opportunity to start with a company that was a practice management company, so really focused on the practices themselves and how they were operated. And that company was starting a division, which I was brought in to to launch, which was their consumer services division. So how did they put this patient at the center of this experience, whether it was attracting them, educating them? improving access, just helping them navigate the journey. Because a lot of patients who were coming into the office for even a consult, who made it all the way in for a consult, fewer than 50% were actually moving on to treatment because some barrier, whether it was financial, emotional, or they just didn't know what to do next, was preventing a lot of these people from actually moving forward with the treatment that would have helped them become parents. That was 20 years ago. It happens to be that shortly after I started this job, I found myself on my own infertility journey. My husband and I had been married a few years. We were trying to conceive and found out that we were having trouble, that we had some underlying issues. And we went through IVF ourselves two cycles, and we were fortunate enough to end up with my now 20-year-old son. But that has stuck with me and been 
a driver for the last 20 years of my career because while we received exceptional care and we were of the fortunate group that could both afford it and access it and had the result we went in for, we I also appreciated that that was not true for a lot of other people. And how could we clear these hurdles that prevent so many people from getting the treatment that they want? Flash forward, I was with that company for about 11 years. I left. I took a year off to spend time with my kids. I had a second child that I did not need to go through fertility treatment with, ironically. And and then ended up starting my own company in the U.S. and the U.K. And my former employer ended up acquiring my U.S. business. So I ended up back there. What was the business you started? It was about patient financial services. So very few people had insurance at that time to cover IVF. That's come a long way over the last several years, as you may know. And so we started payment programs, which I had run at my prior company as well. But it basically was a fixed cost for multiple attempts at treatment. So you could plan for, you knew how much it was going to cost. And if you opted into one of the programs, you could actually get your money back if treatment was not successful. And what that did was it it preserved people's financial resources if they needed to move on to something else, donor egg, adoption, some other family building option. And that's interesting. And maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later, but it was wildly, wildly popular with the patients And it took a lot to get the physicians convinced that it was something worth offering. So wait, what year did you start that business? So I started that originally when I was with IntegraMed, the the practice management company, in the year 2001. And then I started my own business in 2013. And then when were you, when was that business acquired? In 2014. So we hadn't even we hadn't even been in business a year. Yeah. How did that happen? So how did that acquisition process happen so quickly? Because I had joined in partnership with some other former colleagues and they were in discussions with the team at Integramed and Integramed in that time that I had left had actually gone from being publicly traded to private mm-hmm. and the entire management team turned over. And it was quite interesting because The CEO, the new CEO of the company wanted to meet me and he said, you know, I've done an apology tour basically, (laughs) like, you know, went around all the practices we managed and, you know, they were disgruntled over, you know, kind of the the pre-sale process in the company. And they said, he said, your name kept coming up as, you know, we knew when Pam left or when people like Pam left the organization, it kind of never was the same. So he wanted to meet on that front. And my guess is there was twofold for them. One was to lend some credibility as they tried to rebrand and build the business. And the second was to take out some competition because we were going to be competing with that product there. So I was excited about the new mission and the new team and um, came on in a broader role and, and then ended up spending about six years there. Any advice you can share for our entrepreneurs who are in the process of setting their business up for an acquisition, just about how that process went for you and any learnings you can share? I mean, I think mine was fairly unusual. You know, they it was quick. We had some revenue, but obviously we were not generating profits yet. So I think having 
a business plan and structure and projections in place, realistic ones, so people can at least quickly look at what your vision is for the business and where you think and why you think you can accomplish these things. And I I think if nothing else, it convinced them that we were going to be formidable competition (laughs) for a whole variety of reasons. And it, it was similar. You know, I had started that business at Integramed. I never thought I would go back to it. The opportunity really presented itself to do it XUS to really launch this in new markets, which was most exciting to me. But there were significant gaps in the U.S. as to if you were not at a practice run by Integramed, you couldn't offer these programs. And so there was a big demand for them and no way, nobody else who who kind of could build them. And we had the opportunity to then perfect them and say, well, if we did it today, you know, our challenges are different, right? When we launched this, we were making a market. Mm-hmm. We had to convince people that this was even a good idea, which leads you to a different place than when you're like, well, we know it's a good idea because it's we've seen it work, but there's a better way to do it. And that it, it's sort of a different approach to it. So I just think being prepared and being able to see around the corners is to first we got to get it off the ground, then we got to convince this many people, and then we're going to move to making it broader and more adapted to the various needs out there. Such great advice. So when did you know it was time to leave that role? And how did you end up at SMP? I was leaving that role because they were going, the company was going through a sale process. They were private equity backed. They were going through a sale process. I was really handling new businesses for them. So I was launching new businesses within the existing platform. So my job was really what can we do because we are the largest network of fertility centers in the country that would be prohibitively either expensive or or just not have the resources for independent practices. And one of the things we were starting was social egg freezing platform. Mm-hmm. When their process went from being what I would call strategic, looking for a strategic partner to being a financial partner, they didn't really want to continue to invest in startup businesses because startup businesses lose money and they didn't want to do that. And so they were spinning off those businesses. And I really did not want to go back to being the subject matter expert during a sale process and educating. Really, my job would have been for a year to educate people on fertility and the future of women's health. And I just thought that's, I need to, that doesn't progress anything except the potential buyer's knowledge. It doesn't progress the field and it doesn't make life better for the patient. And I decided it was time to so yes, tell me about your role now today and more about S&P Pharmacy and what you do. Yeah, so interestingly, I've left jobs twice where I didn't have another job. And I will tell the group, it, it's the most liberating thing you can, you can actually do because you have to have confidence in yourself and you, and you give yourself a chance to find the right fit. Um, I actually joined the board of S&P first. Mm. And I was doing consulting in a variety of of areas. And through my board role, started doing work with S&P and then eventually started doing consulting and then worked my way into the CEO role. And what I brought to them was a, I would call it a modern look at what a fertility pharmacy could be. So historically, And I think this is true in a lot of industries, by the way. 
there's pharmacists, they have a, they build a little business, it, it, it services the patients, but it's not integrated with the rest of the experience. And in the case of pharmacy, it was highly dependent on the nurse. We don't deal directly with the patients all that often. The nurse sends the prescription and we deal with the patient to collect payment and all of that. But I saw that pen to a degree being taken out of the nurse's hands because you had companies like my former employer and U.S. Fertility and Pinnacle and all these other large aggregators of fertility centers coming in with or without professional money behind them, but they were certainly going to professionalize the space. Mm-hmm. You had people like Progeny and Kind Body and Carrot and Maven who are coming at this from another angle. And my view was that's where we need to go. We need to get ahead of this. And what they value in a partnership from a pharmacy or anybody is strategic alignment, digital integration, effortlessness in the experience. And we had an opportunity to be the first movers on that. And we did a, we made a couple of moves that almost instantly paid off. And that's when I moved over to the CEO role in an effort to say, there's more we can do here to, to make a better patient experience and really differentiate ourselves in what had largely become a commoditized space because nobody was doing anything innovative. So it was just about price. Who yeah. could put somebody else's product in a box, give it to FedEx and charge the least for it. And that became the measure of success. Just p- patients getting their medication on time, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Which be- yeah. That was about it. Yeah. That so was that I, and that was that was my experience. So when I was going through the infertility process, it's exactly what you said. And I went through everything in New York. I've since moved to Florida, but saw my doctor in New York City. The nurse, you know, did whatever she had to do to get the medication called in to a random pharmacy on the Upper East Side, had no relationship with that pharmacy and just had to walk over and pick it up and then relied on the nurse at the practice to be able to hopefully teach me how to use everything. But really, it ended up being Googling videos, going on YouTube, calling other friends. I actually became, after I went through the process, the person where now, you know, friends of mine who I then met through social media, as they're going through the process, I had recorded videos, doing the injections, sending people my videos, like that Facebook groups, like that's how, that's how I was learning everything. And to hear that you've now, you know, created this platform to really be able to empower patients to learn, like everything is about education and having access to that information so you don't have that fear and can and feel you know that you can go to someone to ask questions because the process of learning the medications very overwhelming oh. especially when you're you know in the mindset of just like all you want to do is have a have a family and you're trying to figure out how to mix this how to do that like it's it's really hard so absolutely I, loved when I learned about what you all were doing at S&P Pharmacy and the platform and the access. It's just, it's really incredible and so needed. Yeah. I mean, that was the first thing that was actually the kind of signature idea that, and I had been working with S&P in my prior life. We, we, you know, I mentioned we did those payment programs. Well, we wanted to have a drug benefit associated with that as well, so that you weren't 
just getting the medical treatment, but you could fix the cost of your meds. And we were building out uh, an EMR and patient portal where expose all this information to the patient. So it's not, you know, medical practices are still largely call us between, you know, eight and five, Monday to Friday. And that's just not how the rest of the world works. I mean, I can schedule a nail appointment on an app. Yes. <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't request a doctor's appointment on an app. So we were building out this um, digital platform and I was working with SMP on mapping that as well with, as with nurses to say, well, what are the steps in this medication journey, which was, I mean, the farthest thing from a straight line that I've ever seen. And I had a little bit of trauma because I was like, oh my God, I mean, my, at that point, my kid was almost 18. And I thought this hasn't changed at all, except that I was looking at VHS tapes and you guys are looking at, at, at videos, but the process was really clunky. You are, you need a specialty pharmacy because the drugs are very expensive. They require special handling, usually refrigeration, and they're mostly self-injected, as you mentioned. And so you're not going to, they're not going to carry that at your local CVS. So you become a specialty pharmacy. You have the pharmacists and other technicians who can walk you through this whole process. But typically you're relying on the nurse at the practice to train you on the, on the medications in the office three weeks before you probably get your medications in your possession. So whatever little you may have learned, you've now forgotten. And maybe not even specific to your protocol, because we don't know what you're taking yet. So we're going to show you everything. And then you get the meds. And then to your point, then you go hunting and pecking on YouTube and you don't know what you're going to get. I mean, I'm sure you did it fine, but some person may not have understood it well themselves. I mean, I've seen ones where they don't change the needle properly. You're injecting yourself with a much bigger needle than you need to. And so we said, how do we, how do we improve this process? And the long and short was we needed not just to create better videos, which, by the way, was the battle I fought for a long time with my board and the rest of the pharmacy people. I said, no, we have to replace in-person injection training and we need to make it personalized and we need to make it digital. And that was a much hairier problem to solve, but so much more meaningful. And so we created a series of videos that the practice can then tether together into a customized protocol. So it says you're on this treatment. These are the meds you need in the order you need them. And you send it to the patient and they hear the same information consistently. It's not dependent on which nurse you happen to get that day or what mood they're in. You can track whether they've watched it. They can rewatch it. It's all about them. And the response has been incredible. We save nurses 30-something minutes per patient, and the patients feel better prepared. And from a business perspective, because we went for the hard one and not the easy one, it's going to be very hard for our competition to replicate that anytime soon. So from a competitive advantage it's um, it's it just from a pure business perspective, that's been the better move because it's it's a barrier to other people just going, oh, those are cool videos. We'll just do cool videos ourselves. 
it's much harder than that. Well, what you have done is so needed. And I wish that I I had those videos and your platform <laughs> when too. I was going through everything. So <laughs> thank you for going up to the board and sharing that this needs to be done and following that that passion and drive and knowing that this was the right thing to do. So congratulations. Thank you. Hey, entrepreneurs, it's Steph here. As a founder, or really as a woman in business who is creating their own success, whether you're just starting a business or you're scaling it, dealing with finances and money can often feel very overwhelming and intimidating. We have all been there. But according to fellow entrepreneurista and personal finance expert, Varnoosh Tarabi, that fear can surprisingly be very helpful for your future success and wealth. Farnoosh is the host of the So Money podcast and the author of the best-selling book, A Healthy State of Panic. She gets candid about all things finance with leading business experts every Friday on her podcast. And she dives deeper into the nine biggest fears that hold us back both professionally and personally in her latest book, including rejection, loneliness, fear of missing out, and failure, to name a few. She offers a wealth of knowledge and tackles the relatable feelings we all experience about money. So you are definitely going to want to subscribe to her podcast. And if you want to meet Farnoosh live and in person, be sure to join us at our Entrepreneurs to Founders Weekend event from May 3rd to May 5th at the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando. Farnoosh will be speaking and she cannot wait to connect with you. You can reserve your ticket at entrepreneurs.com forward slash founders weekend and we will see you there. Pam, I would love to hear about the process of building this technology platform. You know, you had this vision for what you wanted it to be. And I know it is a very big undertaking to, to build tech and lots of lots of learnings. Can you share a little bit about the process, how long it took, and any learning lessons and recommendations for entrepreneurs who are in the process of building tech or thinking about building tech? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm going to take you back to my prior role. I was a division president inside of a fairly large fertility company, and I had always run a P&L when I was there. I built and managed businesses. I had an opportunity to take roughly a year to effectively become a project manager on building out a digital platform, reimagining it taking all the disparate systems, whether it was the electronic medical record or the practice management system where all your insurance information sits or the patient relationship management system, which we used a customized version of Salesforce, all of those systems, and then creating a warehouse, I guess, for all that data and then servicing up that information almost on a persona-driven concept. So if you were the nurse, what information did you need irrespective of the system? If you were the financial counselor, if you were the doctor, and this was something very different for me. And it balanced being a subject matter expert and working with a team of end users and working with the technology team to sort of translate the need, not solve the problem, but understand the pain points. It was unlike anything I ever did. And I think it really teed me up for success. I mean, I, I will tell you, I was a little reluctant to do it because I thought, oh, I want to be on the, you know, everybody loves you when you're on running a P&L, especially if you're making money. And this felt like a lot of 
a lot of grunt work, a lot of back end work. So I really had to be convinced the payoff was there and I was, it was. And so what I learned from that and what I was able to bring to S&P was obviously I had a vision for what the patient experience could be, but the patient's not in a vacuum either. You need this to work for the nurses. You need to make it work for the doctors. You have to understand the HIPAA regulations, the privacy. There's a lot of detail that goes in to creating something that looks simple. So that journey led me when we got to got to SMP to say, well, what problem are we trying to solve? We need to integrate the pharmacy experience into the overall fertility treatment process, not be siloed and, you know, sent because which for the patient can be very disjointed. They're on a big scavenger hunt for information. And it has to work for the nurses because even though we can do some direct to consumer outreach and word of mouth is important to us at the end of the day, more often than not, the nurses is, are the ones that, that write and send the prescription to the pharmacy. And so we had to really think 360 about the various constituents while keeping our eye on the prize, which was really how do we make this better for the patient to improve access and just make this a less stressful process. Understanding how to investigate the impact on everybody and building something that actually was better for the patients, but in fact was better for the nurses and the practice was what really made this work. Because if it was only neutral for the nurses, but better for the patients, and I'm not, nurses go out of their way to make life better for patients. So I'm not suggesting that they're, uh, that they're looking out only for themselves, but change is really hard. And it's really hard inside of a medical practice. I'm sure it's hard everywhere. My experience is more in medical because everything's process oriented. And if you change one thing, it changes a lot of other things. And so the payoff has to be there and they have to believe in that payoff. So you can do that all on, with, the, with the end user, but that takes longer. If there is instant payoff for the practice as well, or the nurses or their efficiency, it is a much easier sell. I mean, there's a lot of businesses that never get off the ground because of, as you know, because you're not aware of the of the hornet's nest you're walking into. You're, you're looking at it from a very myopic view and you just get blindsided by the, the, the obstacles you bump into. Did you have conversations with the doctors and nurses and fertility centers before you started committing to building or you knew you were going to build this and then you still first started the conversations, but how did you make that? Well, it was interesting because the idea really hit me on the side of the nurses. I mean, I'm a patient, but when I, when we were building out this other platform, right, for my prior role, we were spending a lot of time with nurses and saying, what is a day in the life? Like, where are you spending your time? What's the stuff that you're doing that doesn't work you to the top of your license, that doesn't require a nursing degree to do. Because the reality is nurses are the most precious resource in a fertility center right now. Doctors have become more efficient. They've figured out Zoom and they figured out how to make the appointments more efficient and share information. But the nurse is very hands-on and they're hard to come by. They're burnt out. It's a, it's a, it's a difficult job. And so 
we came from that angle and realized, my God, they're spending 20% of their time on medication-related issues, filling prescriptions, tracking down whether the prescription had ever been filled, does the patient have refills, do they understand how to use their meds after our calls that they don't know how to inject themselves. So in this case, we knew there was a payoff for them. What we had to overcome is their belief that the patient would be better served oh, well, that seems very cold. You're just going to send them videos to watch. And we were like, no, 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 no. They don't want to talk to you. They don't want to take another day off work to come in for an in-person injection training. I mean, you can make that available if that's what somebody feels like they need. But there's a lot of evidence that this population prefers self-serve when it's an option and if it's done well. And so... We were very fortunate that this solution was actually going to really be a win-win. How long did the whole process take from coming up with the idea to build out this platform to it's live now, correct? People can start oh, using yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's been yeah. live a year. Yeah. It's been live a year. We've had 100,000 patients trained wow. on on this close. I don't, I don't know the exact number, but it's it's a lot. So we started bouncing this idea around, I want to say, in the fall of 2020. And we found a partner, we ended up partnering with a company that was already installed. This was also an interesting learn for anybody who wants to build technology. We had hoped we could build this to integrate with electronic health records because that's where the nurses were spending their time. So if we built a whole new place they had to log into and do something different, we really felt that would impede the adoption. And we found a, a company that I'd known from my prior life. They're called Engaged MD, and they do online digital consents and education. So fertility 101 and the causes and you know all that basic stuff that your doctor probably spent 20 minutes drawing upside down ovaries for you. They do the basics so that their primary goal is consents. Do you truly understand the risks associated with what you're about to undergo? And basic education so that when you walk into the doctor's office, you're talking about you and your condition and not just here's what's in here, what here's what infertility is and the causes and the treatments. They were installed in at the time probably 50% of the IVF volume was done at practices that they were already in. And that went crazy when COVID hit because everybody realized they had to figure out how to keep people out of the office for non-essential reasons. And so remote learning became more and more important. And we approached them with this and said, let's partner on this. We'll be your exclusive partner. You guys have all the experience in building out educational material at a level that's mature enough for the audience, but not over the heads of certain people. It's modular. It's not videos. So people's hairdos don't get old. You don't have to retape them when something changes on the product insert. We signed an agreement with them in, I want to say, December or January, and we launched it last June. So six months, we went into stealth mode and built it out. And I have a nurse who I've worked with a long time who's on my team and she worked with their development team and they built it out and and we leveraged a lot of their experience and got it out pretty quickly. 
So that is incredible. And it seems super fast for sure. I would love to hear if you could describe what the patient experience is like on the platform right now. So for our entrepreneurs listeners who are going through the fertility process or maybe and are interested in, you know, asking to use SMP pharmacy as they go through the process, what can they expect? So the process is, and by the way, this is available to any patient, any practice, whether they use Engaged MD or not. So if you're already working on Engaged MD, this folds right into your workflow. If you're not, we set up a new platform for you just for, it's called MedReady, is the injection training program. So basically the way it's broken down is there's three components. The first is what is your protocol? So there are a handful of drug combinations that are used, that are universally used, that combine different medications in a different way to get a different result. So there's something called an antagonist protocol, a long luteal protocol. There's a variety of them. That's contextual. That is really non-drug specific. It just says, here's the drug cocktail you'll be taking and how it impacts your body, right? It'll suppress this hormone. It'll raise that. That's what's missing from YouTube, right? Because you're just going direct, then you go and you say, okay, if you're on an antagonist protocol, there are multiple versions of similar drugs that can be tethered together under that. And so we have every common injected medication. And then the last section is how do you actually inject yourself, whether it's intramuscular, which is just what it sounds like, or subcutaneous, which is just under the skin, usually in your belly. And so you work, most practices have a set of protocols, a defined number, it could be three, it could be 30, but they have a finite number of protocols. And we work with them to build those together. So they can have an antagonist protocol that includes gonalef. They can have an antagonist protocol that includes folistin instead. They tether them together. They, they then create this library. And When you, Steph, go in and they finally determine, okay, we're going to put you on this antagonist protocol. I've sent your prescription out. I'm going to send you your injection training. An email comes to the patient's mailbox. It appears to come from the practice. Like I said, if the practice already uses EngagedMD, you may have already been registered for it for other consents. If not, you're invited to join. You go in and your personalized information is waiting for you on a dashboard and it shows you if you're, um, when it's due, when you have to watch it, how much progress you've made, whether you want to share it with your partner or not. And your practice can see that. So they will know whether you have actually watched this and they will, it will throw reminders to them to say, hey, Steph, you know, you're starting your cycle in three days. And we see you haven't watched your injection training and you go through it and you can watch it as many times as you want. You can call your practice. If you have questions, you can call the pharmacy. If you have questions, you watch it through end to end, and then you can go back and watch the individual videos when it comes time to inject those videos. That also is now integrated with SMP's patient portal. So we have a patient portal where you can track the status of your orders, prescriptions, and refills, but embedded within there, if you've been assigned the MedReady protocol, you can watch it from in there. And every drug we send you comes with the video 
associated with that drug. So it starts to feel like one experience between your practice and the pharmacy. You do not have to use SMP Pharmacy to watch these videos. It was a decision we made that we wanted it available to everybody. And sometimes you have insurance or other reasons you can't use us. But it does work better if you use us because it's integrated on the other end. How have you gotten the word out about SMP Pharmacy? Have you engaged in certain types of marketing initiatives that have worked for you? Yeah, so largely we work with practices still. That's still where most of our referrals come from is nurses or physicians who are sending in the orders. So there's a hierarchy, right? So we work with some of the large networks like a U.S. Fertility or Ovation or Ivy, which manage multiple fertility centers around the country. We work with some of the insurance companies. We work with Maven. We work with Carrot, Store Club. Sorry, we don't work with Carrot. We work with Store Club. We provide, we work, we align with them to be one, either an exclusive or one of two pharmacies they make available to their members under their sort of semi-insurance programs. And then we work with individual practices as well to get the word out through our partnership managers in the field. We have also gone through, I mean, this is a mostly digital, but we went through a significant rebrand at the beginning of my tenure here because we wanted our brand to resonate. It wasn't going to be red and blue and, you know, clinical pharmacy. It was, it was more experiential and more aligned with the, with the customers that we were serving. With that, we started quite a bit of social media and all organic. We don't currently pay for any of, we don't do advertising, but our organic social media and the work we've done with influencers has been really incredible because there's a lot of people who go through this and they're struck by how awful it can be and the little things we're doing to make it better have resonated with them. So that's becoming an increasingly important thing for us, not just because we're getting to those patients, but happy patients are really all that the nurses want. So when the nurses come back and say, oh, that was great, it builds on itself. That's what we're counting on. Absolutely. Well, your organic social media is definitely working. It's how I initially connected with with your team through social media. So, you know, reaching out to infertility advocates and patient advocates definitely works because we've been through the experience. We want to be able to share new resources and things to, to be able to help others. So I am so glad your team reached out and now we're able to have this conversation and spread the word. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Pam, are there other things that you've done to be able to really improve the patient experience that might not be all about digital? Yeah, I think, you know, as I mentioned, the brand, so that felt familiar to the team. We evaluated when patients were calling us and with what for what reason, and we decided to move to a seven-day-a-week operation in all three of our locations because patients have questions. They're going through fertility treatment seven days a week, and we needed to be there for them. And that has been profoundly important to help folks. We partnered with the Little Words Project. I don't know if you're familiar with these guys, but... Very familiar. And I have my, I have a Little Words bracelet on right now. And I also have the Hope one that did you, that get you one? sent as Good. well. Yes. So yeah, Adriana's part of our, our Entreprenista community. She's incredible. 
awesome. So we found her and, you know, we wanted to put something special in the boxes because it's a very stressful time. People are often spending several thousand dollars on their medication. And we felt like something, it needed to feel like something special showed up and not, you know, potholders from Etsy. So we, not the potholders from Etsy aren't special, but we revamped our packaging with some tissue paper, better structure, more organization, more intuitive to know where your medications were, what needed to be refrigerated. And we partnered with Little Words Project to create a unique bracelet that says hope and a handwritten note from our pharmacist letting these folks know we we appreciate what they're going through and we're rooting for them. And that has been incredible. I mean, we have three physical locations where we do get most of our stuff is done through mail order, but we do have some folks who come in and pick it up and the pharmacist will hand it to them as opposed to putting it in the box. And I think half the people we hand it to burst into tears. Like, I can't believe you actually recognize the process I'm going through. You know, we had the entire team inclusivity trained by the Family Equality Council because we felt we needed to be sensitive to all members of the community trying to build their family, regardless of gender identity. And so those were investments that just brought us closer to the experience that the patients are having. It really is incredible. I mean, I'm tearing up right now just thinking about like, I wish I was handed one of those bracelets when I was going through everything. I was going online and bought them for myself. So, (laughs) you know, it's, it's the little things and going through this whole process and going through infertility, it is so emotionally draining and traumatic and hard. And the little things to patients are so important. You know, it's what keeps us going through these really hard times. I didn't have a hope bracelet at the time, although my daughter's middle name is Hope from the from the whole experience that we went through. I had a little elephant bracelet that my friend who had gone through infertility had sent to me when I was going through the process. Yeah. So, you well, know, knowing they're not alone mm-hmm. and I think we are really the only female-led fertility pharmacy out there. And it's not just me, it's the it's it's a balance of the team. We have we have men on the team, but I think having people who understand the consumer have been through this themselves. And I think it it's a signal to these largely women who who that we're thinking about these details, that we know these details matter. You expect us to be there. You expect us to get the medications to you when you need it. You expect us to answer the phone, you know, within a few minutes. But those feel like table stakes. We had to elevate the experience. All right, Pam, this is a fun segment we like to do. And if you've listened to our podcast before, you've probably heard this segment. I'm going to ask you a few rapid fire questions. So the first word or words that come to your mind. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Describe yourself in three words. Oh, no. Passionate, driven, and family oriented. Is that one word or two? (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) Coffee or tea? Coffee. Sweet or salty? Salty. Is there a business solution that has helped you most in your journey? Oh, I think the iPhone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and finally, as well. <laughs> do you have a hidden talent? I don't. I don't know if I do. Is being a good friend a talent? 
That is, that is very, <laughs> a very good talent. We'll take it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Back to our regular questions here. That's fun. Yeah. What would you say you're most grateful for every day? Uh, well, obviously, personally, it's my family. But if I think about professionally, I'm going to get emotional. I think that I can look back and know that I have made a difference for a lot of people, that the things that I've built in the fertility space have helped a lot of people have a smoother path, hopefully to parenthood, but certainly through their fertility journey, wherever it led them. You definitely have. And you just gave me the chills even <laughs> even sharing that. Do you have a quote or mantra that you live your life by? You know, I think that I try to be a good partner. And I think understanding what's important to everybody involved, every stakeholder is really critical. And I, I think this is an interesting, and I've, I've heard some of the folks on your podcast sort of talk about this in a different way, but, you know, understanding the impact that you're going to have, not just on your end customer, the person you're most trying to impact, but the others around them are gonna, is going to make you smarter and better prepared to roll something out and better prepared for some reaction or backlash that may come. And I think people appreciate that thoughtfulness. And I think the only other thing is the only real asset you have is your word. And life is long and the world is small and people remember if you've not been fully honest with them. Absolutely. Any advice you can share for entrepreneurs, you know, building businesses, whether it's your own or building a business inside of a, a large mm -hmm. growing company, there's just so many ups and downs and highs and lows. Any advice you can share about just getting through, getting through some of the challenges or, or harder times professionally? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's a couple things and, and one ties to what I just said, which is Make a map, make a vision board, understand the different people, get yourself educated on the current environment, right? And not just your experience. For me, I was led to a lot of what I did because I had my own personal journey. But I think what also made me successful is I had worked on the practice side. So I had the patient, I had the practice. I knew the least about pharmacy other than what I had experienced, but as a patient, but I think understanding all of that makes you create a better answer. It also prepares you. I think having somebody who holds your feet to the fire, friendly, who punches holes in your story, who puts you back on answering why five times or whatever <laughs> that is, is worth the work because somebody's going to try to trip you up along the way. And I'm not suggesting it should push you away from your passion. It's just going to prepare you to either create a better product or be able to support it better. Mm -hmm. Such great advice. Thank you for sharing that. Pam, we could definitely sit and talk for hours and I think we should schedule a, a follow-up time to connect. So I feel like there's so so much that we could continue to do together. And I'm so excited to continue to spread the word about SP Pharmacy and all of the incredible work that you're doing. My final question is, what does being an entrepreneur mean to you? It means 
making it better for the people who come after you. I mean, again, I have been so fortunate to make a living in something that I feel so strongly about. And I say that, and I have a lot of friends who say, but that was by design. So I think set your intentions on doing something that's really gets you excited to get up in the morning and all good things come from there. I love that. Such such great advice. And thank you for sharing your journey and story. It is so impactful and inspirational and you really are making such a difference. So thank you for all you've done and continue to do. Where can everyone find you and follow you and SMP Pharmacy? And for our listeners who might be going through a fertility journey right now, if they're interested in using SMP Pharmacy, what's the best way for them to reach out? Sure. So you can follow us on social media at SMP Pharmacy or smpharmacy.com. You'll see what we're up to on Instagram or on our website. For your listeners, we have developed a custom code called podcast. And if you call us and we have a prescription for you, you can get $150 off of your order just for you guys. So come check out what we're doing and spread the word. We're really excited to be part of this. And and thank you again for bringing awareness to infertility and for demanding something better. Yes, absolutely. And thank you again for all you do. And thank you for the discount code because we love being able to offer special offers to our listeners and our community. So um, for everyone listening, we will be linking out to all of the SMP contact information in the show notes below, as well as the code podcast to get your discount. So definitely mention that when you call. Pam, thank you again for being here. I'm Stephanie, and this is the best business meeting I've ever had. Hey, thanks for listening and leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And we'd love to stay in touch with each of you. You can listen to all of our latest episodes at entreprenista.com and connect with us on Instagram at entreprenistas. We'd also love to invite you to join the Entreprenista League, our private membership community for trailblazing women. You can head over to entreprenista.com forward slash the league. We'll see you there. Wishing you a productive week ahead. Founders are always asking us, what has been the secret to our success building multiple seven-figure businesses? Do you want to know how? It's our community. We created the Entreprenista League for founders like you. Our members have access to everything we've used to grow our businesses over the past 10 plus years. To learn more and get on the wait list for when doors are open again, head over to entreprenista.com. That's entreprenista.com to get on the wait list.